and non-benders alike. Welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney. And I'm Dante Bosco. Varney, I feel like I should check in with you again since the last episode when we did Mm -hmm. Abba's Last Days. Mm -hmm, We did mm -hmm. have our amazing friend Ivana Lynch help you get through all those emotions. First of all, I want to thank you for checking in Um, right here. Everybody, you're listening to a great friend's voice. You're welcome. Good folks in the Fire Nation, you guys. Good folks. Oh, no. Fire Nation people checking in sometimes. I'm talking about Dante Bosco, not talking about Prince Zuko. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it was great having Ivana there. It cushioned the blow a little bit of how much I cry during Appa's Lost Days. Uh, But I am, to be honest, I'm still feeling a little emotionally drained, buddy. I really am. Okay, well, we have something for that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we need to do something to give everyone, including you, a break from the heaviness of the last few episodes of The Last Airbender. But what, Varney? What? Okay, all right. I'm following you. I like your thinking on this. What if, and this is just right off the top of my head, just like it always is when I pretend I don't know what's going to happen on this carefully planned podcast episode. What if we took a break to celebrate some of the funny moments of book two? I mean, I like it, but off the top Mm -hmm, of my head, I feel Uh like we need one of nature's funniest human beings to really make Uh this episode special, to Uh to really make it pop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it'd have to be someone who loves the Avatarverse as well. Okay, what if, and this is just a what if, the hypothetical, what if I told you we were seconds away from welcoming the great Ron Funches to the show? It's happening right now. Everyone, please welcome Mr. Ron Funches. What's up? Welcome to the show. Hello, it is. And I called you Mr. Just like you insist. I appreciate it. It's what I love now as I feel that I am starting to get older and gain slight respect. Some people call me Mr. Funches, which I was like, ooh, I like it. (laughs) Mr. Funches. Do people call you Mr. Bosco? You know what? I grew up as such a kid in the industry. I was always the youngest person on the set. When people started calling me Mr. Bosco on the set, I was like, what? I felt scared. I was like, well, who are you talking to right now? Like, I'm the kid, aren't I? Yeah. No, you're like the oldest person on the set. I'm like, kill me now. I will say, I feel like there's a corroboration between the people who call me Ms. Varney and mispronouncing my last name. Like, people who want to call me Ms. Varney also want to call me Ms. Varney. <laughs> like, there's. Oh, Varney. That's fun. Yeah. There's like, I want to respect you, but I also don't know how to say your name. And so it kind of cancels itself yeah, out. Yeah, it's special even when the name is pronounced. It. It's beautiful. <laughs> I guess. It could be Funche, Funches. There's a French pronunciation here. Funche. Funche. people do that. Yeah. Funche. That's gorgeous. <laughs> uh, okay. So, Ron, when you and I very first met and started being around each other at all, you made my heart sing and soar because every time I saw you, you'd be like, hey, Cora. And that was like the best feeling. Wow. Do you remember that? Yeah, of course. I love mm-hmm. Cora. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't I? It was really fun to be around <laughs> someone and be like, oh, I love you in this show. You're so great. And, and then I just know you in comedy, especially for me. At that time, I didn't know many people who were on TV shows and stuff. So it was really fun for me. Now I know a lot of people on TV shows, and I myself am on several. But <laughs> still- <laughs> So the shine has worn off my Never. luster and, and 
like it. Does. Glamour. Now you should just Janet. Now just Janet. <laughs> Good old Ms. Varney. Ms. Varney. When did you guys first meet? On a show or at a comedy I mean, performance? We think we just met like at comedy rooms, which I don't do stand up, but um, I guess I'd be around. Yeah, maybe doing either around Sketchfest sketch or yeah, around Sketchfest for sure. Ron's been doing Sketchfest like since he stepped on a stage and we got wind of it. We we're like, who's that? We need him at Sketchfest immediately. So that's been a good long while. And where are you um, coming from, Ron? What part of the country do you hail from? Well, I moved around a lot. I was born in Los Angeles, raised in Chicago. I started okay. comedy in Portland, Oregon, and then I would go from Portland. To San Francisco to do shows, or Portland to Seattle to do shows, and that's how people started to get to know me, like Janet. So I went Pacific down Pacific Northwest, PNW mm-hmm. in the house. Exactly. And then, how did you find Avatar: Last Airbender and the Legend of Korra, where you met Miss Korra? Uh, well, I don't remember exactly how I found it, but it seemed like multiple times through my life where it's been around for me, where I think I, I watched it probably near the time that it debuted, I think back like 2008 or so. And then when my son was getting a little older, I, and once he started getting interested in it, I was like, oh yeah, let's just re-watch it together. And we just would go through, and I think I've bought it in DVD form and Blu-ray form, watch it on Netflix. And um, and there was a time period, especially like I think when I was talking to you, Janet, or even a little before, where it was very important. You know, sometimes you get these shows that get to you at the right time. And if you had asked me at that time period, like Avatar and stuff was like, I don't want to be blasphemous and say like a religion, but like uh, like the book The Secret or like yeah. these other like self-help books where I was like, oh, I'm really learning a lot from watching this show about friendship and your own self-confidence and your own inner power and things of that nature. And um, I just always love the show and I try to rewatch it at least uh, every year or so and um, just find time when it comes to me and then especially when the Cora the book came out um, I was like oh my god completely different story way different from the first one of the completely different characters but I love it just as much and it has my favorite character in the whole universe which is Bolin who is like yeah. That's like my spirit in that universe. And I felt like I had that same journey as him Mm. where he was like, you know, kind of looked over and underutilized and no one saw much in him. And he's just kind of the side guy helping other people in their journeys. And then you see that he has this great talent of helping people of bringing light and joy and out through his acting and being yes. in movies and things and then he becomes super popular and i'm like that's what i want and then it started <laughs> happening a little bit and so i was like i always love because it's just to me he didn't have any bending powers but he showed the true power of like humor and light and what that can really do for people and for being a friend well that can really do and that's what i love i love of the universe. I love that so much. Wow. I don't think we ever fully had that conversation about Bolin. So that makes my heart so happy. I feel like do you also identify with Sokka as being sort of like the the brainy silly guy in Avatar or is he too sort of like sarcastic and cocky? 
Yeah, he was more like to me. <laughs> We're going to get deep that into it. Like he, he's extra. Yeah, he got more confidence than I felt like I would have had at like that time period. So, I, like to me, he's like that Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor type of comedian. Love that. Where Bolin is more like Mitch Hedberg or something, and that's where I was like, you know, and a guy who like where he just chill until you shine that light on him, you know, and that's what I see in Bolin a lot. Um, but no, I love Sokka. Sokka's great. I love those comparisons with all my heart. I don't think I've ever heard anyone. I mean, I have it. Like no one has ever paralleled those people to those people. That makes me so happy because you've just joined two of my favorite worlds, comedy and Avatar The Last Airbender. So this is very satisfying. <laughs> What's a very funny I want to see those in the tweets. I want to see people uh, compare comics of all time to characters in Avatarverse. I'm into it. I'm yeah. way into it. Your uncle, very dry comedian, like a Stephen Wright style comedian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. So before we go too much deeper into the Avatarverse and book two and comedy moments, we did want to ask for your help. I'm springing this on you, but our mutual friend, Jason Manzukis, another person in the comedy world who was wickedly funny, who I felt such a kinship and affection for, much like I did with you, when I found out that he loved the Avatarverse, because, you know, sometimes in the comedy world, everything's like very snarky, or you sort of feel like it's not, you got to be cool and not be like too into something unless it's really like mean and cool. And knowing that Jason was like, felt the same way about you which is like this is a touch point show for him like goes back to it year after year and feels like he's learning lessons about who he is as a person which Dante and I feel exactly the same way um he was like so what do you call your listeners and we were like oh yeah that's a thing that people do they have names for like their right. listeners their group their people so we asked when we had him on we're like help us come up with some names we started to get a handful of suggestions we pulled some today to see if you have uh, any feelings about the ones that that we pulled uh, from Twitter. And Dante, do you mind reading yeah, a couple I'll, of these I'll tweets? Them. I'll read that we have. Right. Okay, so from at Josh Lombard says, just listen to today's podcast. Might I suggest pro bravers as a term for those that listen regularly, a play on pro benders from the Cora era. Love the show. Y'all keep up the great work. And pro then bravers. Pro, there's pro, like ba- pro bravers, mm-hmm. and then at like Firespark seventy one name suggestion for braving the elements fan base, the rough buddies, a reference <laughs> to rough rhinos and the classic phrase, that's rough buddy. And lastly, like from at Trithis twenty seven seven, my bid for what to call us to take a page out of Avatar Legends playbook, pun intended, we could be foundlings since we were all basically raised by all the nations of the Avatarverse and are now braving the elements. Ooh. I mean, so I love we the got pro bravers, the rough buddies and foundlings. Any of those singing to mm. you, Ron? Out of the three, I like foundlings. It seems like I love the reasoning behind it. It's easy. It seems like <laughs> something that you could put on a shirt, but like people wouldn't be like, that's silly. What does that mean? You know, it's like, I think it's fun like that. But also, I will recommend Cabbage Heads. That's it. Oh, cabbage Heads. Oh, that is so good. That's why. I love that's why you're working all the time. 
Yes, that is a strong contender. I don't feel prepared to make this call right now. Uh, we gotta, I don't know we gotta either, have people weigh like in on, on the cabbage too. heads big time. Um, <laughs> I like all of those. I think those all come from great places. I love the thought that went into it. Um, so yeah. you guys who have submitted it's stuff so far, community. fantastic. Um, I think with that in mind, we should get into some of our classic questions for Mr. Ron Funches. What do you think? <laughs> Mr. Funches, Boylan Funches. <laughs> First of all, we like to ask all our guests, what is your favorite hybrid animal in the Avatar universe? Oh, I mean, yeah, I just go with the original. To me, Appa, Appa is the best. Yeah. Like, loyal, fun, brave, just the best. Like, licks you and then, like, <laughs> can make your whole body with your tongue. That seems like uh, what you want in a pet. Yeah, like, if you had sure. a, that's a golden retriever taken to the ultimate level. And that's what I would want. Yeah. I'm just going to throw this out. Do we know what two animals make up? that there well bison yes bison yes bison and i only say this because I, the first episode we revealed this and i did not know and then people were looking at me like what you didn't know i'm like no one else knew either but then they were like but you were on the show dude but you watched the show <laughs> it's also fun that i can imagine right now people are yelling it yeah the people who know Rhonda yelling at you i'm gonna drop a little knowledge on you it's half okay. bison Half manatee. What? That doesn't seem like you could fly. I know. Well, he's flying in Th- the water. That's because the he's an airbender. It's the airbender is what makes uh, him flyable. Right. And then the manatee and the bison are. And if you Google manatee two. and you see the picture of the manatee that comes up, that's just kind of floating in the water. It's Appa. It's, it's, yeah. it's essentially the silhouette of Appa. It's amazing. And listen, we did not tee this up in any way, shape, or form, but I will just say, coincidentally, there is a, a fundraiser that we have going for savethemanatee.org slash Appa. If you go to savethemanatee.org slash Appa, it's our For the Love of Appa campaign, and we're raising money to save the manatees in real life down in Florida. It's a great organization, so if you have time and the will and effort and heart to do it, um, please uh, contribute. If not, feel free to spread the word. Did not tee that up, but I thank you both for thank you. perfectly yes. giving me the opportunity to mention there you that go. fundraiser. That's what we're here for. I mean. Shout out to all the manatees out there and the flying ones, too. Sh- I know we got some manatees mm-hmm. listening right now. I know there's a few of them out there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about some relationships, some ships. Ron, a okay. controversial subject in the Avatar verse as it is in every verse because people have very strong feelings about their ships. Do you have favorite ships uh, in the Avatar verse in The Last Air? Whether it's canon or not. Oh, yeah. No, I got mine. And so I love my favorite one, and that is canon, is, is Korra and Asami. That's a great one. Of course. Yeah. And Asami then, forever. Absolutely. But then... My favorite would be Korsami Lin, Korsami and Bolin as a, hey! a thrill. He's okay with it. Strongly he support. All. Strongly support this ship. Yeah. This makes me very happy. Wow, he went to a triple. Yeah. You know, I just want him to have the life that I want to lead. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bolin. I think that's wonderful. 
oh, everybody's going to bring something different to that. That makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. I love it. What about uh, the big one, D? Why don't you take okay, the this, big question? Take us home. Yeah. The big question, Ron, is in the Avatar verse. Mm-hmm. If you can be a, a bender of the elements, which element would you bend? Mm, I see. There's like desire, and then there's what I would feel would be reality. Understood. Like, go for what the desire is. Let's go. Well, I mean, I feel like if anything, I li- work and live with emotions and and moving them around and being fluid with them. So I feel like water bending water, is where okay. I would be. But I'm also very stoic and chill, and so like there's a earthly qualities to me, and so I feel like. I- at the end of the day, I would just only be able to throw mud at people. Like, it would be just a mix of water and earth. Yeah, what is that? Like uh, the NBA? Well, it's not unlike the swamp benders. We got some marshy. It is a swamp bender. Yeah, you could be a swamp muddy. bender. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> swamp also, bender. one of the most spiritual, uh, aware, amazing characters, and that was the guy in the swamp who tells us that time and death are an illusion. So, yeah. you may be moving some mud around, but you're also blowing everyone's mind with uh, beautiful, deep thoughts. I love it. That's what I want to do. Thank oh, you so much. But in so real life, good. I'd just be one of the hippies in the cave. <laughs> hey. That's also good. That's also oh, great. The Cave of Two Lovers. Yeah. That's a beautiful episode. Um, gotta always give a shout out to Dante, your brother, and uh, Lorraine Newman and uh, Dee Bradley Baker. My brother Derek Bosco in the cave. Yeah, some of our favorite. Of course, people. Dee Bradley Baker. I didn't know Lorraine Newman was. Yeah, in Lorraine's the, cave. the girl. She's like, it's all about love, man. Like that's Lorraine. Oh, that makes Isn't sense. That great? Yeah, yeah uh, I love her. She's the best. She sent me Tupperware when we when my wife got married. She's so sweet. She sent you Tupperware. Yeah. See? <laughs> I don't even think I've ever even met her in real life. But she sent me Tupperware when me and my wife got married. That's so weird and so Tupperware. wonderful. <laughs> okay, so that's actually a great example of a very, very funny episode on the funny side of Avatar. But so, okay, we got all these different types of comedy. I don't want to kill the conversation about comedy by getting too in the weeds. Yet at the same time, I feel like this is a show that does a lot of different styles of comedy very well. So, you know, you got your goofball, kooky, silly, you know, your sight gags, your sort of more Nickelodeon, maybe like there's little bodily noises and things like that, which I always feel like I don't want to laugh at and then realize they're really funny. And so I continue to laugh at them the older I get. Nothing gets less funny. Uh, You got your sarcasm. So we sort of see that in in Sokka and Toph, like things that are super absurd that we also see in the Avatarverse. Ron, do you have like a style of comedy that you feel drawn to over and over? Not just like maybe it doesn't even have to be like the comedy you like to do or be in, but just like stuff that makes you laugh when you're watching it. Oh, I think I'm very open to lots of different styles of comedy. I guess overall, I like story-driven comedy. I like my, my right. humor and everything to be driven off of what's happening in real life. Um, I think especially as I get older, I find less in common with like absurdist humor, which mm-hmm. I think when I was young I was all about and I was all about especially for myself and the way I do it I was all about let me show you how smart I am how many tricks how much wordplay I can use in a joke and now I'm more like let me tell you about my life and let me tell you about my story and I think like the relationship 
between Zuko and Uncle is one of the funniest things that I mean it's like heartwarming and sweet right. and a lot of things but just the way they speak to each other as family does in the way that there is love and care but also there is this like you need to get yourself together and you gotta um and just Uncle is yeah. just very funny as a character and just yes. very dry. But also, I love how silly and weird Milo is what's not hanging out of his nose. So <laughs> I like both. Totally. Totally. What about mime? Do you guys like mime? How do you guys about mime? Mime comedy. Mm. Mime comedy? <laughs> Anything, Barney? Punches? Hold on. This is a podcast. Let me do some of my best mime work for everyone. <laughs> Uh, I'll take it over to physical comedy. When that is done okay. well, it's beautiful. Yeah, I'll watch a mime. Always got time for a mime. I'm, I'm, I can dig some mime. Listen, you don't have to say a word yet. It's a universal thing that everyone can understand is meant to be funny. Uh, sure. Yeah. Mime it up. <laughs> Truthfully, one of the great things about the show is there is this comedy that comes every so often in the show that is like just essential to the show as, as anything else is. And it's it's hard to, you know, you see shows that came that got inspired by Avatar and try to bring it into it. And then bringing that comedy is always a hard part. Or when just anime in mm. general, when they try to do live actions of anime and doing all the great things of a lot of animes and then That's try to point. add that. I don't know. It's, it's hard for them to get. It, it's weird. That's a really good point. Trying to translate cartoon comedy into live action um, has the opportunity to not succeed a lot. Do you agree with that, Ron? Absolutely, because you're taking away one of his strengths, which is the ability to be as surreal as possible. There's rules in your mind that you will allow a cartoon to have that you won't allow a live action to have. And so if you start seeing things that break that reality in your mind, you'll just you'll reject it. But when it's animated, it gets a little bit more of a leeway. And I think the same way in the messaging from a youth, I always found like, you know, it's fun. So many messages and so many things that you can hide in things like graphic novels or animated shows that you couldn't put in a live action show. And yeah. I think that's some of the beauty of it. So to me, sometimes things are just meant to be what they are. And, and you just got to let a great animated show be a great animated show. Agreed. Like in real life, and I'm going to give a couple of examples. Well, to give an example from from book one before we get into book two, the fortune teller to me has, you know, and this is something that like, that's one of those episodes that sometimes people are like, yeah, like it's fun. And yeah, you find out maybe some stuff that goes towards canon, but it also feels a little bit like it's just a side story or Madame Wu and that's kind of woo woo or whatever. Um, there's so much funny stuff in that episode. That's an, the episode where the platypus bear, we see a platypus bear anxiously and fearfully lay an egg, which is freaking gorgeous and then also just the whole exchange of Sokka's frustration in that episode where people are like of course fortune telling is the only way we know how things work like can your science explain why it rains and Sokka's like yes yes it <laughs> yes. can um, yes, love the moment in the water rating sc scroll where Katara is like you know everyone's gathered all together and Katara is like you know this is really my fault someone else is like no no and then Iroh of all people like over on the side is like it kind of is <laughs> it's like it is. beautiful dry Iroh Stole moment scroll, not expecting it to come from Iroh comes from Iroh makes me happy it's just truth telling truth that's some of the best humor is just telling the truth in yes. moments where people don't expect you to yes that is beautiful and that is so very very Iroh 
Um, where we are in the show, you heard in the intro, Ron, that we've just been going through like Tales of Bossing Say, which has some great funny moments in it, but is also very emotional because of different, you know, struggles that people are going through and, and Momo trying to find mm-hmm. Appa. And then we go right in, we roll right into Appa's Lost Days, which is heartbreaking in many ways. Um, so we are doing our sort of comic relief. We haven't got to Lake Laogai yet, but in this sort of handful of episodes, are there any things that like call out to you as favorite moments, either of you from episodes in book two? Of course. The caves, people going in the cave, all getting lost in the cave all day with hippies with Lorraine (laughs) Newman. It's classic. It's such uh it's such a fun episode. It's funny. It kind of comes out of nowhere in the Avatar verse. You're like, where are those guys from? Like they sound so modern and kind of like dudish bro-ish kind of people like hippies groovy yeah groovy it's like where did these people come from and then it's not like a one-liner and then leave it's like they're there the whole episode yeah and then Sokka has a very real reaction to them that I think a lot of it's like come on you guys are killing me yeah yeah he's the real life (laughs) proxy for us with how out there they are but so adorable i love that too i've made no secret about the fact that i am super into that bird that screams in the swamp that is very simpsons to me just like you know you're trying to sleep and all of a sudden uh, you hear a horrible human shriek and then you look over and it's just a bird that sounds like that that makes you very happy and i would say on par with that for me in terms of animal humor in this book uh, the prairie dogs that sing at the beginning of yeah. uh, what is it? <laughs> the library. They're like la la la. Uh, extraordinarily cute funny and funny details. to me. I'm a sucker for those animals. I mean, the pro wrestling, like the blind oh, bandit stuff. Yeah. I, I grew up loving pro wrestling, so I just grew up in the Hulk Hogan era and Jimmy Superfly Stucker. But just a throwback to that era, and it done so well and so was just comedy i think to me and i, I don't even that know if the, as well yeah if the kids that have the same feeling towards it that when they watch it for the first time but like the people that were older thinking about those days it's like it's it's hilarious Ran, you know randy savage like it's just like those oh yeah i totally got the same feeling from when they're introducing them and how the characters are acting and the wrestlers are talking is just this almost farcical theatrical yeah fun thing it's just got a guy named the boulder and the boulder oh, is so a great smart. name to have yeah it's like it also it makes me happy when because you know sometimes things get parodied that are funny in and of themselves and therefore it doesn't almost work as a parody whereas like and because pro wrestling is funny like it's genuinely very funny and there are very funny talented people in wrestling who then also come out of wrestling and do other stuff if they want to i love that this is like it's you can tell that it's about the love of pro wrestling it's not like trying to make fun of a thing that's already right. meta does that make sense now i really am getting yeah, that's exactly like what i was course. about to say so i wasn't going to say it anymore but that's exactly what i was going to say that's what you, great world building and and, and the thing that i love in lots of art whether it is shows or music when i'm like oh they love something that I love too. Someone that works there also loves the things that I love. And you can tell when you watch that scene that it wasn't making fun of pro wrestling. It was a send up and a love of it. Totally. I should have just let you say it. I had no idea that you No, it's okay. It makes it but then it would have been like I stole it from you. So it's better this way. <laughs> Never. 
What else? Somebody suggested we'd be called the Cabbage Head, so I assume you enjoy a certain yes someone who pops back Cabbage up. Cabbage Merchant? I mean, the, the fact yeah. that Cabbage Merchant is all around, it's great. It's a great runner. That's what a, every good show needs is a classic runner where something just continues to happen over and over. You never know when it's going to happen. It always happens in different ways, but it's always funny. And just to have crowd pleaser. Exactly. And again, it, to go back to what you said, Janet, to me, it reminds me of another like not to the Simpsons of the, that, uh, you know, the character who's always down on his luck, old Gil, who who always <laughs> just needed a job. Poor and the Gil. Cabbage Merchant was the same thing where he's just like, oh, I'm just trying to sell you cat. Oh, every time my cabbages. And it's just, ah, oh, it's so funny. It's very yeah. like his life should be so simple and easy. And, it, and it's that feeling that we all can relate to where it's like, I'm not asking for much. Like... I just have a cart of cabbages, y'all. I'm not trying to overthrow a government. I'm not trying to do anything crazy. Yet, you are causing me to have a nervous breakdown over this tiny, simple thing I'm doing, which, like... Who cannot relate to that? Because I feel like that's like when your computer is not working when you need it to most. And you're like, oh, come on. Really? And you've got to think about how de- determined and proud he is of his cabbages. He never stops. Yeah. He gets I right back out there. It brings the everyday Ever. man right into the avatar verse. Everyone cabbage can be the cabbage man. Mm-hmm. We all are the cabbage man. But 100%. speaking of crowd pleasers, there's cactus juice. The cactus juice episode, oh, which had a lot of juice. stuff happens, but the audience at large call it the cactus juice episode, and just Sokka drinking that cactus juice and going on a you know fear and loathing in Las Vegas <laughs> kind of situation is even just thinking about it now makes me laugh. Uh, is crazy and fun, and I'm I'm surprised someone hasn't bottled that cactus juice up yet because that thing is a winner, hundred percent winner. <laughs> That's a real example, and I'm sure we said it when we talked about that episode, but I don't know if we hit it home enough that, like, it makes me really happy that Nickelodeon was like, yes, Sokka can go on a mystical trip by, mystical. by consuming They cactus. let him go way like, out. That's a grown-up thing to, you know, to joke yeah. about. That's a real thing. <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, okay, and then I guess we got to shout out Toph. And part of her, yeah. what makes her so great is like her own sarcasm. Yes. Yeah. I think she's just very real. Um, that's what yes. I see with her. I don't necessarily like the making fun of her. I'm the kind of the opposite in the fact that I, I don't usually enjoy that type of humor. I don't enjoy when people... Especially if it's done falsely, if you, to me, yes. to lower yourself down in order yes. to make other people comfortable um, is not something that I, I'm, I'm usually into. But what I love about a character like Toph and her jokes is that it's not usually coming at this thing, like you guys said, it's not to make other people feel more relaxed it's to make them uncomfortable uh-huh. it's to make her la- herself <laughs> right. laugh right. She's, she's humoring herself and that's, that's so what well makes her so funny to me is that it's like the real life of like you know like my son has has autism and at some point you don't sit around especially if, if you were born blind or if you are whatever type of differently able to disability that you you have at some point for most people it's just part of your life it does not define you and right. so it right. doesn't define her it's just a part she goes yeah i'm blind i'll make jokes about it if it comes out but 
And it's right. not uh, this thing of like, oh, woe is me, or I'm putting myself down. It's just like, I'm confident. With, I'm so tough. I'm strong. I'm smart. I'm everything. And I'm also, I happen to be blind. So I make fun of it sometimes. And that's what I love about it. That's exactly what it is. It's very funny. And I mean, she's one of everyone's favorite characters particularly on the side of comedy. And we'll talk about that in a second because we definitely asked people online uh, what some of their favorite moments were from the show, from book two. And unsurprisingly, Toph comes up a lot. In fact, let's start with the AK Men's, A-K-M-E-N-D-Z on Twitter, simply wrote, there it is. And I knew exactly <laughs> what they were talking about. We know that it is when they are looking for the library. Uh, right, they are the looking. The, all they see is this vast expanse of sand. And Toph calls it out excitedly. There it is. And has to remind everyone shortly thereafter, like, is what you would hear from me if I had seen it. And it's a great moment. It's a great moment. A lot of people into there it is. Classic moment. Simple Quick joke. The best type. Yep, yep, yep. Dante, you want to read the top couple of ones from uh, Twitter and Instagram? Yeah, so the Lonely Will on Twitter says, totally underrated, but Sokka's haiku battling. Yes, that very funny haiku battle scene. I thought it was hilarious. I come from the spoken word poetry scene. And, uh, you know, we take ourselves seriously sometimes, but also there's a somewhat, there's room for comedy and humor and the uh, lightness and and hey Sokka had bars so I give it to Sokka <laughs> right. and and even the comedy of him you know the last one we had one too many syllables ah, no. one too many syllables there Sokka hilarious so all of that was really funny and really even detailed within the poetry scene which I thought was really funny and cool agreed um Salon Fire on Instagram says Sokka triumphantly declaring I'd like to spend my vacation at the library, which Very again, funny. <laughs> I mean, Sokka's funny. That was a great like, anime moment too, right? Didn't they do like a whole thing around that? And- I mean, who wants to go to the library? On their va- they're all trying to take a vacation. They're trying to take some time off and they have to go to the library. Are you serious? Yeah. You're going to the library right now? I don't know. Yeah. I know a couple people who would love who would love that. I know. You know, but there's certain things as I've gotten older, I go on vacation. Like as a kid, you couldn't get me to the museum. The museum? Are we flew on a plane to get to this wherever we're at? And we want me to go to the museum. Now it's like that's the first place I'm trying to go. Which uh-huh. is comedy to me now somehow. Yeah. Now trying to go to the museum and eat some Brussels sprouts. Eat some oh, Brussels sprouts. Some totally. local fare. You're like, ooh, they got Brussels, Brussels sprouts. <laughs> what? Farm to table here? 100%. Uh, quick shout out to Burnsko on Instagram who said uh, the sugar queen and the I'm completely calm moments from the chase when Katara just starts to lose it and unravel. <laughs> uh, we talked about this when we recapped the episode and that uh, episode of Braving the Elements, but like that really hits home for me. Um, it makes me really happy when I can laugh at my own moodiness based on lack of sleep. Uh, let's turn it into comedy. I don't need to be feeling bad about it. Let's just turn it into comedy. I'm a baby. I'm an infant. And when I don't get enough sleep, I go. <laughs> a little crazy that's fine no big deal i'm a human no big deal makes me happy well cindy lauren paul uh, on instagram and tibbler nibbler on twitter both say like, when i was like ah this tea is nothing more than hot leaf juice and zuko's like uncle that's what all tea is Uncle Iroh, how could a member of my own family say something so horrible yes yes you guys hot 
leaf juice is hilarious <laughs> and so right. And I, I, every time I drink tea to this day, I think I just bought me some hot leaf juice <laughs> for a prime price. And I start the, you yep. know, it's just wild. It's just so funny and so true. But it, it is hot leaf juice. That's what it is. It's delightful. It is, and that's hilarious. But it always that made me feel bad because I always think of the world where I'm like, oh, I really. Wish they got to live in this world where they just ran a successful tea cafe yeah. and I just know. got to go on dates and live his life. He deserves it. Yeah, uncle was all so about that. So fueled by rage, too fueled I by rage. Know. You're so right. It's such a good. Yeah, it's like the snapshot where you're like, oh, what if it were just that? Like, oh, life. It's beautiful. He would be great at it. They would. People would go travel from every nation to go to that tea shop. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I drink this tea and I like tea. I'm into tea. But I'm always marveled at the fact that there was a time in the world where it was the most popular drink in the world from mm-hmm. England to China. Yeah. You know that old saying, what's that got to do with the price of tea in China? Yeah. Tea was the gold mark yeah. of the world. Like the price of tea in China set the currency. Part yeah. of the U.S. revolution and the Boston Tea Party was over tea. Yeah. God, it was damn, over this tea. tea talk. You guys. <laughs> Ooh, I love how how much you know about tea. I can't believe we haven't done a tea episode. You guys, it was over tea. Uh. (laughs) All right. This will not surprise anyone. Most popular responses on social media from the question of what is your favorite funniest moment from book two. Number one, cactus juice, cactus juice, cactus juice. Number two, hot leaf juice. And number three, there it is. There it is. So those were the, the most popular uh, responses. We have missed so many because there's so much funny stuff packed into this entire show, much less book two. Um, we're talking about comedy in the show. It makes you think, you know, how this comedy has to come from Mike and Brian to a degree. The creators are, are two dads of the show, which their humor. I mean, Mike's a little more subdued. But I can see uh-huh. Brian having a little more zanier comedy side to him. But it has to well, come they from the creators. Po- they populated their writer's room with a bunch of comedy writers, too. Remember, we've had a bunch of them on. So that's of course, their fault, of course, too. Of course, of course. We love our two dads. Ron Funches, thank you so much for doing this episode with us and coming on the show. We were so excited to have you. And perhaps if there's a favorite episode you have from uh, book three, as things really stir up, come back or we'll save all yeah, the come back and let's get into Cora when we get, when, come back when we get yeah. into Cora because I'm going to be getting into it and I, want, I need to know more about how you're thinking about things absolutely give me more reasons to go back and rewatch. I would love yeah. that anytime uh, is there anything you want people to check out you want to promote anything you want to tell people where to find you that's sure. what we want to hear from you I'm in a show called Loot with Maya Rudolph on Apple TV that people can check out. The full season's out on Apple TV right now. Um, I play King Shark on um, Harley Quinn on HBO Max if people want to check okay. that one out if, they, if it's yeah. a little bloodier. King and Shark. Great show, though. People can look out for next since this is Nickelodeon. Um, coming out next year, I'm going to cartoon called rock paper scissors that'll be uh, coming out on nickelodeon yes. next year so hopefully uh, it's nothing like avatar but if they <laughs> hopefully they'll still check it out <laughs> <laughs> i think it's wonderful so everybody gotta check it out and where can we find you on social media ron Oh, just Twitter at Ron Funches. You can go ronfunches.com if you ever want to see me do stand-up comedy, because I like doing that. Do. And then um, Instagram, just Ron Funch. 
Ron Funch, everybody. Go find Ron, y'all. Thank you, Ron. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be able to talk about, uh, you know, it's not often you get to find a little corner, a little place where you can just talk about something you really love. It's what I enjoy, whether, you know, I love talking about pro wrestling or um video games or, or animation and, and again like I said this show meant a lot f- for me in a lot of ways and and so it's a pleasure to be able to talk about it so thank you for having me oh man he's the best alright everybody thank you so much for listening to Avatar Braving the Elements and hey make sure to subscribe follow leave us a review all of that really helps the podcast so much and we love you guys Next week, we're talking with a couple of the wonderful people responsible for the gorgeous design in Avatar The Last Airbender. Artists Elsa Garagarsa and Angela Song Mueller. And of course, our dad, Brian Konetsko. You can follow me on social media at the JV Club on Instagram and at Janet Varney on Twitter. And I'm at Dante Bosco on both of those. We'll see you next Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 